It's Toronto's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. Hi everyone, I'm Phil Bliss, a business visionary, and welcome to Toronto's Podcast, part of the Canada's Podcast Network your source of the great insights from entrepreneurs across Canada. For the past decade, Talon has been leading the talented product team at Hippo and helping brilliant startups go from a small team with a good idea to multi-billion dollar companies. He is both artist, engineer and innovator, a startling collection of talents. Hippo is a brilliant example of a company that has grown through its own self-sustaining investment and discipline. Hippo specializes in providing startups with two critical things, flexibility and quality. So, Talon, tell us a little bit more about yourself, you know, where you're from. Give us the details on your current business or businesses. Just, you know, a couple of minutes on who you are and why I'm talking to you. Okay, great. I'm originally from Turkey. I was born in Istanbul and I came to Canada just just under 20 years ago uh, to study. and then. I had the chance to work in the tech industry for quite a few years. Um, And then around 10 years ago, I decided to uh, launch my own product consultancy called Hippo. Since then, I have been uh, helping startups, especially early stage startups, build and launch products uh, with my team. Um, We're a remote and distributed team, and we worked on a lot of different verticals, education, healthcare, smart home systems. Um, and it's been a lot of fun seeing, um, seeing the impact of these products on, on, on people's lives. So I'm always interested, you know, what was your stop moment, you know, when Talon said, I want to become an entrepreneur versus working mm-hmm. in a tech company or what made you yeah, break that, out? Yeah, that's a good question. It's one I've been thinking about recently because I don't know how I did it. It's, it's, it seems like <laughs> such a big leap. Right. Um, well, for me, the turning point, and I remember this vividly, was the iPhone. Uh, when the iPhone came out, I, I loved the idea. And I, I don't know if you remember, but the moment you saw that glass screen and you could see the, the icons behind it and you could tap on them, that was a magical moment for me. Um, so the iPhone wasn't available in Canada until I think the second version, really. But I managed to find like a shady you know place on spadina i remember i went there and they were selling them you know they were importing them from the us and so i bought one and nobody else had one and i started playing with it um and then the the first sdk came out and i said i i want to build applications for this it's just too much fun uh it's in your pocket it's amazing this is the future so so i built a little application uh it was an imdb client um and you know it allowed you to search for movies and i put it on the app store um, and it was, it was, a, it wasn't easy, uh, because I wasn't used to the C programming and all of that, the technical details of it. It took me a while to, to figure it out, but I launched that when that started making some money, uh, it kind of just opened my eyes and I said, I could actually do this. This, this could be a business. So, um, I think about six or seven months later, I quit my job and, uh, and I decided to start really freelancing as an, as an iOS developer. Good. That was the beginning. So, you know, that got you sort of beginning, but you've built significant business. You know, how did you get from, oh, I can make money from this to that mm-hmm. focus of 
I can make a lot of money from this. There's a big yeah. shift. It's not just the money side of it. There's a whole bunch of other things. So I don't want to focus just on the money. Yeah, I think um, I can't say that it was planned. I I kind of got pushed further and further into it (laughs) against my own will. Um, Because um, what happened was, you know, there was a lot of interest in not just iPhone app development, but also, you know, on web and server, you know, cloud systems. Uh, We're in a similar business. I get it. (laughs) So, you know, you, you get it. It's like, there's more and more demand. And I, I think I had to learn on my feet to really, in terms of my limitations, not just time limitations, but also, you know, my abilities as a developer. And I started working with, with other people. And at first the thinking was, oh, I'll just hire one person. And then that became two people. And then that turned into managing a team. And then, you know, at some point we started saying, oh, you know, 10, 10 is a good size. We should stay there and it's great. And then it became 20 people and then it became 30 people. And, you know, and all along the way, I think we were really cautious and we managed to scale the team up in a really sustainable manner uh, because that was, that really mattered to me from day one. I didn't want to be in a situation where we didn't have enough work. So we had to lay off people or anything like that. So we were really careful, but, um, but it, it was, you know, more and more interest in our work that kind of pushed that slowly. So thinking of that, and we kind of covered this a little bit in the intro, how did you finance all this? I mean, I know you've kind of got some advice in terms of financing and investment that you want to talk about with other entrepreneurs. I'm yeah, I mean, sure it's, you're my, my point of view is that I, I wanted to be not just in a sustainable business, but also in a way where, you know, I didn't want to scale beyond our means too quickly. That was, to be honest, it was too scary for me. I didn't, you know, I didn't want to be involved in a business that was just high velocity, you know, growing beyond my understanding. And also we were big believers in, in bootstrapping from day one, even before it was cool. I mean, it's, you know, we wanted to own our business. We wanted to understand where it was going and then control, um, you know, what kind of business we want to build. Um, the team culture was really important for us. So I don't think that you can build a great team culture when you're, you know, scaling a business at really high velocity. Uh, it usually comes as an afterthought, whereas we want to focus on the team, on the people and really, you know, approaching it like a, like a family where, you know, you're building these products together. So I'm really proud that we were able to do that. And we, we have, you know, people in our team who have been with us for over six, seven years mm-hmm. and, um, and we're still working together and people are happy doing what they do. Especially in the tech side, I mean, obviously, if you're not bringing external investment in, you're making profit, you're making margin, you're, you're allowing self-growth. How do you, you know, is there some kind of trick there where that allows you to do that versus the sort of, I think, the kind of innovation center stuff where people are, have the great idea and the next thing is, how do I raise $2 million to make it happen? What, is there a different formula? Um, Can yeah, you I mean, it's, that? you know, of course, our approach is different uh, in the sense that from day one, we were a consultancy. So we had cash flow, right? Mm-hmm. So that cash flow allowed us to, um, to kind of first build some, um, you know, some, some uh, revenue that we can rely on. Mm-hmm. And then make sure that that revenue was sustainable, which took us, I think, at least two, three years. 
And then once we reached that point and then we had some, um, some overhead within the team where we could say, okay, you know, we have 10 people working, but actually I could have my infrastructure developer not work on a client project for a little bit and focus on this new product that we want to build. That it's kind of, you know, evolved from that idea where like, okay, we are sustainable. We are able to generate some cash flow, and then we can invest in ourselves. Mm-hmm. So, you know, our strategy was instead of bringing in outside investment, let's just invest in our own business and our own products because we love building products and we love launching, especially in the technology industry, you know, like developers, developer products or, you know, simple consumer products. And um, that's kind of what we focused on, especially in the early days. So let's move from the fiscal thing and say, what does a typical day look like for you? You know, how, how do you operate? You know, what's your cycle in terms of yeah, work, so workload? My, like? my days are pretty routine. I like my routine. Um, so I get up at 6.45 every day. I have my 7 a.m. Uh, gym CrossFit class every day. I go to that. That's my one hour of meditation, I call it. <laughs> it's very active meditation. Uh, yeah. It works for me. Yeah. Um, and then I'm back home. I shower. My, my wife is getting my four-year-old ready to go to school. If it's nice out like today, I, I, you know, we get on the bike and we just cycle to school for 10 minutes. I drop her off. And then by then it's around 9 a.m. and kind of my day starts. 9 a.m. to 9.30 a.m. is my breakfast time where I can listen to a podcast, you know, walk back home or cycle back home, get yeah. a coffee. And then really my day starts then, like it's just meeting after meeting. Usually my mornings are my meeting time. So mm-hmm. until noon, maybe, maybe 1 p.m., I'll just do back-to-back meetings, yeah. uh, a lot of one-on-ones, team huddles, yeah. um, you know, checking in with people, all of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my afternoon is my quiet time. It's when I do more focused work. So I'll, I'll sit down and do, you know, whatever needs to be done. Usually nowadays it used to be more like development and coding, but yeah. nowadays it's more, you know, contracts and, and, you know, investigation and research into new tech and stuff like that. I work on exactly the opposite thing. The opposite. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I get up early like you, but I do all of that. The sort of the non meetings in the morning. Yeah. And, and also one, one detail about this is like, I think I would prefer to do that, but because our team is remote and a lot of people are yeah. in Europe, Oh, I'm yeah, kind of, of course. forced into the schedule because the morning is the only time I can do meetings, but it works. I make it work. And to yeah. be honest, it's not so different, um, but yeah, yeah, it is, a, it is a hectic morning. My CTO has that thing with our team in, 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 right. in Europe as well. So do you think entrepreneurs have to be weird or unique, you know, in a positive way, uh, are we wired differently? Or is it just, you know, is I, I, I don't think about it. it as special, but I think there's definitely something different. I think it's about risk aversion. I know a lot of people, even some people in my family, who wouldn't be a good fit for entrepreneurship. I don't think not, not everyone can be an entrepreneur. Not that it's a special thing. It's just because they would be too anxious. And like, I think if you're running your business and you are just riddled with anxiety, that's not healthy. So, you know, I think there's a feeling today that a lot of people need to be like, everyone needs to have their own business or everyone should be an entrepreneur. I don't believe that. I think, you know, you have all kinds of people and not everyone is fit to be, to own their own business because it is a, 
it is a very anxiety inducing uh, profession or, you know, uh, category of profession. So it's definitely not for everyone. And you, you hear a lot of positive stories. You always hear the success stories, but you yeah. know, being in the business, I know that also a lot of people fail and it, it can be devast- devastating for some people. So I, I think, you know, whoever wants to be an entrepreneur needs to do some soul searching to make sure that they're okay with it first. So what books are you reading now? I mean, you're a podcast listener, and I know that, you know, or even audio books. What could you recommend for our listeners, other entrepreneurs that, that you think so may give them some I'm, insights? I'm a bit weird when it comes to books because I used to read a lot of nonfiction books like a lot of people in the industry. And then two years ago, I made the call that nonfiction books or, you know, whatever category you want to call yeah, them, yeah. Didn't, didn't really help me. I, I wasn't getting a lot out of it. And I found that they were really um, kind of repetitive. Um, so I switched to reading fiction only. So for the last two years, I've been reading fiction, a lot of sci-fi, um, a lot of you know, hard science fiction, like real science sci-fi, as well as um, some of the more kind of philosophical, um, like modern philosophy, yeah. uh, but set, set in kind of most postmodern literature. And I find that it gives me a lot of insights into how people think and how characters think and like getting into them, getting into a character and thinking their point of view, I think is a great way of learning from a product builder perspective, because you really look at things from different people's perspectives really uh, better. And we deal with a lot of nonfiction. It's it's a nice change of pace. Yeah, for sure. Um, so recently I finished reading, uh, New York 20 on 40, um, by Kim Stanley Robinson, I believe is the author's name. And it was an amazing book, amazing, amazing book on like, it is sci-fi, but it's really more about like a post climate change world, looking at it really realistically from an economics perspective, from a social and, and, you know, uh, building structure and all these things kind of combined into one. It's almost like a nonfiction book about like research into the future, but with a great um, fiction component. Um, it was a lot of fun. How do you balance work and play? And how do you relax? You know, what's your sanctuary? What are your favorite activities in the GTA or in GTA? You know, with or without the family? Um, yeah, I, I think a lot of it comes down to really being disciplined about how much you expose yourself to in terms of work, because, you know, work for an entrepreneur never stops. If I want to work 24 seven, I would have work for 20. I wouldn't get bored or run out of things to do. Um, So it really comes down to discipline for me. I make sure I have at least one to two hours of play time with my daughter. Um, That's really important to me. That's my probably the most important meditative part of my uh, day to day is, you know, that evening play time is amazing. I make sure I put away my phone. I don't look at it. You know, it's any email, any message can wait. I have a great team that I can depend on, thankfully. So it, it of course, makes things easier. Uh, but, uh, you know, I think it's important to set aside time for that. Um, and then the other side of it is apart from the, um, you know, the, the physical kind of daily activity and the gym is I love cooking. Um, I, I try to cook at least once every two days or so I'll do a big meal at home. And that's, that's a really nice kind of way to, you know, clear up my mind and, and calm down a little bit, whatever's happening that day can stop for a bit. 
those are, I think, my really most favorite activities. And also, I've been really good for the last few years. I've been really good with not working on the weekends. Um, I'm pretty proud of that, you know, especially since uh, my daughter has been growing up. It's like you have to spend that time. So, you know, we do a lot of kids' activities and go to, you know, theater plays and stuff like that, concerts. Toronto's great for that. So it's, it's fun. Well, if you weren't doing what you're doing now, Carpenter. what would be your profession? <laughs> I think. I don't know. I, I love the Carpenter. idea. Not that I ever did like any <laughs> uh, carpentry work, but I love the idea of being a carpenter for some reason. And I know it's a bit of a cheesy cliche now. Like a lot of so- software developers say they, they would be carpenters. Yeah. But I think I, I would be a good good carpenter. But well, my what- dream would have been to be an astronomer or something, like to, to work with space and science. But I don't think I would be good at it. Well, what job uh, would I wouldn't you want, want to, do. to do? I'm really bad at like sales or, you know, I'm, I'm not good at selling or, or really networking a lot. Like I'm, it's not natural to me. I can force myself to do it, but it's not, I don't think I would enjoy it if it was a full-time job for me. What's your favorite word, you know, sentence or whatever? Mm, uh, that you like to use it's not the end of the world <laughs> a lot of a lot of work that we do today especially in tech it can feel like you know there's a bug or there's an yeah. issue and especially for my team they really get anxious about it and i'm usually of the mindset that you know it's not just gonna burn down and like it's not gonna kill anyone don't worry about it just chill and you know we'll solve it i think i say that a lot what what's your least favorite um, word or sentence? Let's deploy this on a Friday. <laughs> <laughs> the Fridays, no. So many times I got burned by that. So if you had to pick one or two words to describe Taylor, I'm very focused. what would they be? I heard a lot of people say this about me. I can I can really focus really hard on one thing anywhere in any situation. Uh, I've been good at that. And I think I'm, I'm also able to really understand people, you know, empathize with what they're trying to get out of a situation. And I think that's been a good trait to have in, in product building. What keeps you up at night? No, there, there are different nothing. things. <laughs> it's really stuff about my daughter nowadays, you know, like bumps herself or like she she fell down the other day and bumped her head and like i kept checking on her and that's that's probably the most anxiety inducing thing in my life right now so here, here's we, here we come to our question we ask everyone across the country you've probably heard it and you may be prepared for it there's a small tropical island just off fiji it only has a phone booth no internet we drop you off there you don't have a computer or a smartphone tablet anything you can use the phone booth to call us and we'll come pick you up. How long would you stay before you need to make that call? And what Good would question. you do while you were there? I think I would last a day, <laughs> probably. <laughs> I'm not great in isolated environments or even outside the city. I'm a very city person. Um, so probably a day, I, I'll give myself... Yeah, Istanbul to Toronto, you're a city person, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm a city person. I don't, you know, some people think about retiring in the country and all that. No, yeah. not for me, never going to happen. Yeah. Um, so I like the city. But um, yeah, I think I'll give myself a day and I, I can fish probably during yeah. that time. <laughs> I'll try to build something. 
If you, if you had a key piece of advice that you wanted to pass on to our entrepreneurial audience, I, I think a lot of people spend too much focus on the business and it creates a lot of anxiety like we've talked before. Mm-hmm. Um, I found that focusing on your family and friends and yourself actually really helps with the business. And, you know, I think this is a rhetoric that's, that's getting stronger and stronger nowadays. It, it doesn't used to be that way. But I, you know, don't feel pressured to work t- 20 hour days because um, I don't think that leads to success. I think being true to yourself and understanding your needs and desires and also helping yourself be healthy is really the most important thing. And then comes the business. No matter if you're starting a new business or, you know, if you're 10, 20 years into it. Yeah, it's that kind of beware of the entrepreneurial ceiling, which is where yeah. basically 80-hour work weeks just don't get there kind of thing. That's really, really good advice, brother. How can the listeners get hold of you? And is there anything like you'd like to add? Um, before no, it was great, great questions. Um, yeah, anyone can reach me on Twitter at uh, Tail and Pins, um, or I'm always happy to answer questions. Or you know, I get I get a lot of emails, and I'm the kind of person who's very um, OCD about email. I will answer everyone, um, and um, anyone can reach me at Taylor at hippolabs.com. And uh, yeah, it was, it was lovely to chat with you. Well, thanks, Taylor. Very interesting. And I think some really terrific points in there for, for our audience. Appreciate you coming on the show. Thank you so much. Thanks, everyone, for taking the time today to listen to Toronto's podcast on the Canada's Podcast Network. I hope you enjoyed the podcast today. Make sure you sign up for our newsletters or write a review for us on iTunes. You can connect with us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, or at CanadasPodcast.com, where you can listen, discover, and engage. You can also check out what other entrepreneurs are doing across the country. I'll see you next time.